Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. I'm Ty Evans, and I'm glad you're hanging out with me on a good day. Um, today, I'm coming to you from Ford City, Pennsylvania. Just uh, drove here last night. Yesterday, we were in just left Michigan and waited waited around all day for a, a package to arrive from FedEx <laughs> for a uh, we homeschool our kids, so waiting for some homeschool stuff to get there. And anyways, waited around all day, never came. Finally called the called FedEx and found out it wasn't due to come for two more days. So we jumped in the truck and drove uh, drove half the night. Got here about uh, got here about midnight. And um, anyways, here we are, Ford City, Pennsylvania. Beautiful, beautiful place here at Crooked Creek uh, Horse Park. Getting ready to do a three-day clinic here coming up, so excited to be here. Today is Mule Tip Tuesday for you, and got a few good questions. And uh, there's something I wanted to talk about today. Um, I got a call recently from a good friend of mine that was in a bit of a mule wreck. She had a a mule... uh, Something something bothered it. Not exactly sure what. Long story short, reared up, came over backwards on her, and uh, smacked her head on the ground. My friend, I'm talking about, and mule's fine, but my friend got a bit banged up. But more than the physical injuries, she's she's worried about um, you know uh, getting back on, getting going again. Not sure how to approach that, so she called me. And anyways, everybody wants to know why something happens. That is our nature, uh, because we're humans. We fix things. We want to fix that up. We want to prevent it from going wrong again. Um, that's just our nature. That's the way we are. So uh, we kind of talked about the whys of, of why a mule would rear up. This mule has never. Um, reared up before. So why would it happen now? We talked about all the various whys, and I'm not going to go over all the whys here on this podcast episode because, shoot, we could be here all day with whys, everything from physical to mental to behavioral to, you know, on and on. Um, I'm not going to talk about that right now, of the why. But um, we, we talked a, a little bit okay, well, how, how do I go about getting back on this mule and riding again? So after we had addressed some of the whys and some of the things that might need to be done to fix the whys, um, how do we get to riding again? And she was frankly worried about riding again, uh, about her confidence. She was pretty honest about it, which is a good thing. I think you guys should be honest about your fears about riding getting on. I think that's important. And, um, so I told her to take it slow. Um, you know, you don't have to cowboy up (laughs) to get back on right now. Uh, you don't have to rush into things. Um, and I've noticed that those that do rush into riding again before they are ready, uh, it doesn't take much to set them off. Uh, meaning maybe they do gut it, get back in the saddle, and go ride again. 
but then their mule spooks at a just a freaking squirrel and the human is done they're they're through because they're just so full of that anxiety and and that emotion um that even the slightest thing just sets them off they can't take it their cup is full and so it doesn't take a lot and then they quit so rather than chancing ruining it for yourself i i recommend taking it slow if you can't um just get back on a go take it slow there's nothing wrong with a little therapy that way well what could you do well if you're really scared just go out and spend some time doing some groundwork with that mule because likely if you had an accident anyways things aren't going that great as, as or as great as you thought they were going so you probably need to work on the foundation anyways so go do some groundwork if that's too much for you you can't take it take a step back hire a trainer and go over there and watch a trainer work with your mule just be there all the time don't do the drop-off pickup service because this is really about you not the mule but hire somebody to work on your mule and you be there to watch them every day and be around that every day and then when you get some a, a, a little bit more confidence and in, in your your guts are growing then you bring them home and then you do that groundwork that i was just talking about do a little groundwork one of the steps in our groundwork process, if you have ever taken a foundation class from us, is fence work. Fence work is critical. So I tell people that have had a lot of trauma, people that have had real uh, traumatic experiences, they're really scared, they have a lot of fear of that animal, particularly of being on the animal, I highly recommend the fence work because this is a way for you to basically get a ride on your mule without commitment. So you get them up to that fence and you do all the things that pertain to the fence work. And if you're not familiar with the fence work, just go to our video library, tsmules.com, and you can watch videos on the fence work. But do some fence work and just sit there above them. Maybe you can actually sit on them. I don't know. Maybe you can't sit on them. But from the fence, you can do quite a lot and you can take it slow. Today, you just get them up to the fence and you just pet them. Next week, you get them up to the fence and maybe you practice swinging your leg over. Next week, you get them up to the fence, you sit on them with one hand and one foot on the fence and the other hand in, the, in your leg over the, over the mule there. And you just build your confidence that way. It's a great way to build some confidence. Little by little, you get that confidence up. And then at some point, maybe you can get on that mule. Maybe you have somebody just pony you around a little bit, just lead you around. And you can just sit on that mule and just pet them and relax. And so you go like that. Do a ride in your round pen. Then do a ride, some rides in your arena. And then do some short rides out. And you can you can uh, vary your ride lengths. Today, maybe you ride, maybe all you can take is 30 seconds of riding that mule. That's okay. I would rather you take five minutes to saddle it up, 10 minutes to do your groundwork, so that you can ride at 30 seconds, build your confidence, and then get off. And then tomorrow, maybe you can do 45 seconds. It's okay. A lot of people think, well, if I'm going to go saddle them. I, I, I should probably be riding them, you know, all day. No, just you can ride them one minute. Whatever you need to do to build your confidence. This is how I help people. A little at a time. Just a little at a time. Okay, precept on precept. Here, little, there, little. And you climb that ladder that way. At some point, maybe you can go out on the trail. Maybe you have some trauma. 
being on the trail. Maybe something triggers a little your own uh, a small version of PTSD. Maybe you maybe you see a bee buzzing and you have a flashback because it was a bee that stung your mule that bucked you off and and broke your neck. I I don't know. Um, maybe that gives you a little PTSD when you see a little bee buzzing around. That's okay. Get off your mule and lead it for a little while until you can clear your head, get back on, and then and then ride. Or shoot, ride your mule up the trail. I don't care a mile. Step off and walk walk home. Um, lead your mule home back to the trailer, whatever, back to the ranch. You can do this. It doesn't have, you know, getting back in the saddle doesn't have to be a big dramatic entrance of, uh, hey, I'm going to be riding again today and here's the day I'm going to ride. Nope. I think it should be small steps, small moments of success, one built upon the, the next. Uh, the other thing you need to consider is the mule. You really got to consider that animal and what they need. And if you get on there with so much anxiety and tenseness, you you're going to affect that mule unless it's a really, really confident mule. Confident mules will bring up a confident uh, or will help a human to get confidence. Okay. But a, an animal that lacks a little confidence, that is not an animal for you to work with um, when you're in that state of mind. So you got to build your animal's confidence. So as you get to riding again, you got to keep that in mind. Anyways, little by little, pretty soon you'll be back in the saddle. Okay. Um, I think small consistent steps will get you there. So anyways, that's my tip for you today. I don't know who out there needed to hear that message today, but know that it's okay. Take your dear sweet time, make a little progress every day. It will add up. So, and uh, I hope my friend, you know who you are. I hope that, uh, hope you're doing good and I hope you'll be back in the saddle when you're ready okay friends i got some good questions today and hey don't forget if you ever have a question for mule tip tuesday send me send me an email ty at tsmules.com put in the subject line question for mule tip tuesday if you could keep it brief just at, ask your question keep it really brief so that uh I don't have to edit these down. I, a lot of these questions here today are edited down, so I'm trying to give you the main points. Hopefully you can follow along as I give you these points so I can answer the question correctly for you. Okay, first question comes from Lonnie Braybrook. Uh, hey, Ty, big fan of your mulemanship and podcast and library. I recently purchased a three- and a four-year-old, uh, a pair of three- and four-year-old mules. No knowledge of their previous life. They're super hard to catch, especially the four-year-old. I have been uh, bringing them into my 60-foot round pen and working on getting them ready to catch. I was just wondering, how long does a person work at this? The three-year-old is letting me come in and pet him on the head and neck, but the four-year-old is still not letting me touch him. I can get within arm's length of him before the bubble breaks. I'm just wondering if I should keep doing what I'm doing and with time, they will trust me enough and, I, uh, and I'll be able to start touching him. Or is there something I can try or is there something I may be doing wrong? Thanks. Hope to hear from you. Okay, Lonnie. Um, I'm not sure entirely from your question, but I hope you're bringing them in separately. I wouldn't work them together at this point um, if they're both really tough. 
But one thing I have found, if you're going to work in pairs, it's good to have a couple that are a little bit more confident. Um, so maybe you put a, a couple of confident mules in with that while you're working in the round pen. That sometimes helps to calm them down even more so uh, than, you know, having them by themselves. But for some of the work, I do like to have them alone. Um, I will go through the hooking on process. Um, if you're not handy at roping, it's going to take you a little longer because if you're not handy with a rope, then you will take it little by little and you, you're going to get to where you can uh, just get them to hook onto you, walk up and pet them and then back off. Uh, what happens when we get them hooking on in that process, we get a little excited and we want to, we want to, we want to do more and more. So we, um, ask for more. Sometimes we need to be content with a little less. So as you're working through it, maybe you get to where you can walk up and pet them, pet them for just touch them and then back off. Also understand maybe this four-year-old that you're talking about, that's not letting you touch him. You know, petting him is not going to be a reward. That's going to be just something that he's going to let you do at some point, but it's not going to be rewarding to that meal. So don't treat it as, as a rewarding thing necessarily. For, for this meal, I would just back off and, and let him find uh, just a relaxation and a little relief around you. Um, I would just maybe get him to stop and then just let him hang out there. And I would I would really work on that. If you keep trying to pet him or keep trying to walk up to him and you get a little too excited there, you're going to keep sending this mule away. So I would maybe move him around, stop him, and then I'd back up and just let him find a little peace in that I, I let him stop. And I'll do that over and over again. Now, the reason I mentioned the roping deal was uh, mules that are really touchy or, or maybe a little wild. Maybe this mule is just a bit wild. Well, I might just go ahead and get a rope on it and uh, do a little work on the end of a rope. Um, I might even get a rope on this mule and then um, work it from my saddle mule uh, to where I can. I'll have another mule in there that will give this four-year-old some comfort. And then I can get up to it and I can kind of pet the mule, rub the mule down a little bit, help them kind of get used to me while they're next to another mule and not have to be so worried. So I might do a bit of that too. Um, uh, you know, I really wouldn't worry about getting a halter on them uh, just yet. I'd just work them from, with a rope. And then that way, when you're done, you just let that rope come off or you help take it off or whatever. And, um, you know, you can get them used to the ropes and things. It can be a good experience that way too. So I just keep up doing what you're doing, Lonnie, but I would try to help those mules get comfortable being near you as often as you can. Thanks for the question. Let me know what you think of that. Uh, next question comes from uh, Miss Jenny Ross. Hi, Ty. This question came to mind while loping my horse up a trail. I've been getting a nice give and give back with a soft feel response at all speeds, but the lope happens and the horse turns uh, horse turns into a giraffe. <laughs> he will respond a little, but the pressure I'm applying seems like it's defeating the purpose. Should I even ask for it at the lope or what should I work be working at? Um, or excuse me, should I keep working on it at slower speeds and add it later. Thanks, love you guys. Good to hear from you, Jenny. Um, you know, make sure you're getting it punctual at the trot. So when it comes to the soft feel, as I'm working on progressing the soft feel, which is the 
biggest time taker in my snaffle bit is getting that soft feel. Um, that's why we're in the snaffle so many years is because it takes a long time to get the prerequisite to the soft feel, which is being able to ride on course on a loose rein at all speeds and transitions. So that means I need to be able to ride on course on a loose rein at a lope before I'd ask for it at a lope. And that takes a long time. And then secondly, um, the whole soft field progression and helping them find that takes a long time. This is why the snaffle bit process is, is a few years. Okay. So, uh, I would make sure you can ride on course on loose rein and up your standards a bit, whatever you, if you think you're doing great, try to get better. And that's for all of us. That's just a general rule I have for all of us is if you think you're riding really good on loose rein, try, try to do it better than you are. Secondly, when it comes to the soft feel, make sure that you're getting it punctual before you move on. So I wouldn't ask for the soft feel at a walk, for example, until they were punctual at the standstill. I wouldn't ask for a soft feel at the trot until they were punctual at the walk. I wouldn't ask for a soft feel at a lope until they're punctual at a trot. And then going back down, I wouldn't try to hold I wouldn't try to hold the soft feel at all um, at a walk until they were very punctual at picking it up at a walk. So, you know, you might get to where you can actually pick up a soft feel uh, at a trot, but then, um, you know, maybe they're not super punctual. So you're working at, you know, trying to get them punctual before you try to hold that to maintain it. I hope that makes sense. But we talk about this extensively in our Mulemanship 2 classes at our clinics. Um, but anyways, I would just break it back down, Jenny. Check on those other things. Try to get it better. Get it punctual. Thanks for the question. Let me know what you think of that, huh? Okay, next question comes from Winter Chmielewski. I just killed that last name. <laughs> Sorry about that, Winter. Uh, hello, I subscribed to your video channel. It's great. I am currently working with a five-year-old breeding jack. He's wonderful. I have been slowly starting him in the saddle. Hardly anything phases him. Forward motion is so hard to obtain. I have a flag. I've used a rope, but I've never worked something so dull to stimulation. Could you possibly make a video addressing something that just won't move? Yeah, Winter, we can uh, we can try to find something. And um, uh if you look through that video library there's a few of uh, me working with some some donkeys and some stuff if you kind of sort through that a little bit there's some clips from clinics of me addressing people with donkeys um and uh see here here's the deal with the donkeys though winner is there really needs to be something in it for them for them to do anything they've really got to see they've got to see the point there's got to be a release. So they, what you can get away with on a horse, kind of, kind of force them a bit, making them a bit. Uh, you just won't get away with it with a donkey. They've really got to see the release and you got to build small steps. So with a forward motion, the very first step I work on winter is clearing the front. Get that punctual, just one step. See, we all try to get the, the circles and try to get them right and try to push, push, push. But a lot of us haven't even got the very first step of the groundwork, clearing that front, getting them to yield that front leg, stepping to the side and slightly back, 
that first move, that first step is not punctual. How can we expect them to be punctual in our circles or while we're riding if they're not punctual just in clearing the front? So um, watch some of our groundwork videos. Uh, watch the uh, Everyday Mealmanship Challenge 2020 and uh, clearing the front video on that video library. It'll show you how to do that, but that needs to be punctual. There's no reason for you to try to hurry up through a circle if you can't clear the front punctually. So I will work on that getting one step and releasing. So check out those videos. And um, when things come up, if I get some donkeys in the clinics and some stuff with the same deal, I'll try to uh, get some more videos on there for you, Winner. All right, next question comes from Mark and Tracy. We subscribe to your video library and we have a four and a half year old Molly. She is fairly hard to catch and pretty spooky. I've been working on the hooking on process in a 40 foot round pin. She has gotten better as far as letting me walk up to her in the round pen when working on the hooking on should i keep at it in one session until she more or less gets it or keep going like i am 30 minutes to an hour each time should i be working on desensitizing and other things also or just stick to the hooking on until she gets it um so uh you know i kind of addressed this earlier um with uh it was um lonnie's question um about some of the hooking on and getting them ready to catch but this is a little different twist to the question. Yes, I would work just small sessions. So you don't have to, it, I talk about it. I talk about this in the clinic sometimes. We, the big Hollywood uh, horse whisperer is jokes, you know, that we, we kind of play around with that. But the big Hollywood um, changes, they just really don't happen, okay? They, they don't happen that quick. I mean, sometimes... A lot of you have, have watched me work with mules, and sometimes you get some nice quick changes, and they sure enough make a big difference, okay? That that does happen um, if it's just, just right. But a lot of times it's not just right, and a lot of times you're learning while they're learning, okay? So you got to be realistic. You're not going to get a lot of these mules following you around today, and, um, you know, you're not going to get them just, just perfect uh, in a lot of these moments. So be a little bit more realistic with what you're, what you're trying to do there. Um, maybe today I go out and I work on hooking on and I can just get the mule to stop and stand there and relax and find a little peace in the stop. Um, maybe, um, tomorrow I can get them to kind of tilt their ear to me and kind of look to me. Maybe the next day I get them to kind of step in with their shoulder toward me. Maybe the next day they face me. So you can work at it like that. I think that's a great thing to do. It doesn't have to be all in one day, okay? Now, as far as your second question, should I be working on desensitizing and other things? Um, you know, uh, I like to use the word familiarize. I don't want to desensitize them because that's also going to damage your future in nice forward motion. But you can work a bit on getting them familiar with some things. You know, of course, they need to be familiar with your saddle and your saddle pad and, you know, your snaffle bits and um, your reins and, and ropes and slickers. You can work with all those things anytime. Yeah, that's that's going to be great for you. Thanks for the question there, Mark and Tracy. Let me know what you think. Okay, and our last question of the day comes from Gunnar Schultz. So I've been wondering, what's the difference in snaffle bits? By this, I mean... 
the Jeremiah Watt versus Weaver versus Tom Balding and so on. What makes one better than the other? I guess I understand some could pinch them in the corners if not built decent, but I just keep wondering if it's worth it or not. Um, Gunner, uh, you know, this is such a broad topic of a difference in, in bits. Um, it totally depends on the metal you're using. It depends on the weight, depends on the design. They, there are so many differences in bits and there are thousands of bits out there, um, all kinds. So, um, it's, it's a pretty big topic to answer, but yeah, some of the designs, um, I, I, you mentioned two of my favorite bit makers, Jeremiah Watt and Tom Balding. Uh, those two guys, I just love their bits. I got both of their bits hanging up in my trailer right here behind me. Um, uh, Jeremiah Watt particularly makes really nice bridle bits. He's my favorite for bridle bits. Tom Balding, I love Tom Balding's ball hinge O-ring snaffles. That's a great bit, really balanced. Um, you know, a lot of it's just like any other product, and I'm I'm not endorsed by any of these guys, so I'm just speaking. You know, I'm just telling you from my experience using these using these bits what I like. Um, you know, for example, Tom Balding has lifetime warranty on his snaffle bits, and I like that. Um, the bits are built fantastic, but I guarantee with the amount of mules that I, I'm going to put my snaffle bit on. Um, it's going to get used. It's going to get worn down over the years and I'll be able to send it in and he'll build me a new one. Um, it's great. You know, I love the balance. Um, yeah, some of them have no pinch quality. Some of them, the, the hinges last longer. Um, some of the metals used last longer or not. Um, I'm not familiar with, you asked about like Weaver or, and so on, but I, I'm not familiar with them in their bits or anything, but, um, yeah, I, I recommend, both Jeremiah Watt and Tom Balding for snaffle bits. And I recommend Jeremiah Watt for bridle bits. I got a, a I got two half breeds that he built. Um, they're great bits. So highly recommend both of them. But I, uh, I can't really answer um, too deeply because um, it would depend on the specific bit gunner. But it could come down, like I said, to weight, to hinge design. You know, the, the different types of rings, of course, from one builder to the next, the different rings, you know, um, the structure of it. But, you know, I typically like O-rings or egg butt for my, because I use slobber straps. You know, D-rings um, are made for something you're going to snap to. Um, you got your full cheek snaffles. And I mean, there's all kinds. Uh, man, I could do a whole episode on bits for sure, um, and not even touch it, but good quality. And then also, um, people that stand behind their work gunner, that's a big part of it. And both Jeremiah Watt and Tom Balding stand behind their work. That's why I recommend them. So great questions, um, today. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I got one more thought for you, Gunner. Um, you know, I used to buy snaffle bits just off the shelf, like at any old store. And I'd go through them. I'd go through a snaffle bit or two a year. Um, but like Tom Balding and Jeremiah Watt snaffles, they have lasted me a long time. So that was just my last thought there. Uh, okay. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you ever have a question for us and you'd like your question featured here on Mule Tip Tuesday on the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast, be sure to send me an email, ty at tsmules.com. 
Make sure you put in the subject line question for Mule Tip Tuesday, and then keep your question brief, and I will get it here on the show for you, okay? Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a five-star review and um, tell your friends. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. All right. We will uh, see you all down the road. God bless you. Have a great day. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors, Western Mule Magazine. Ben and Anita Tennyson do an amazing job with their magazine. I've been writing for them for a few years now, and uh, they're great. Look up westernmulemagazine.com and check them out.